Tundra Talk is brought to you by Frontier Outfitters and Century Hardware, your source for outdoor gear in interior Alaska. It's a locally owned, longtime Fairbanks business that I've shopped at since I was a kid, and they've always done a great job of carrying a wide variety of quality, proven gear that'll tackle whatever Alaskan tasks you need it to. Frontier Outfitters always stays current with gear for the season, and whether you're bear baiting in the spring, fishing or dip netting in the summer, looking for game bags and gears for moose camp in the fall, or need to stock up on trapping lures, get a new spud bar, or just need some bait for your winter burbot sets, they've got you covered. They always carry a wide variety of Alaskan-proven clothing and boots, camping gear, meat processing supplies, lots of guns, ammo, reloading and shooting supplies, as well as gun safes. Downstairs in Century Hardware, you'll find your snow machine and ATV accessories like sleds and hitch pins, gun boots, hot grips, as well as a full selection of marine and boating parts and accessories. They really go out of their way to stock quality, useful equipment, and it's truly one of those great hometown sporting goods and hardware stores that every town needs to have. Whether you're gearing up for a hunting or fishing trip, working on that never-ending home improvement project, or you just need to rehandle an axe, it's usually a one-stop shop. Frontier Outfitters is located on 3rd and Old Steese in Fairbanks, and they have a second location out in North Pole, so make sure you stop in there and tell them you heard about it on Tundra Talk. This episode of Tundra Talk is also brought to you by Hedgecock Group Real Estate, a local brokerage that can cover your real estate needs in the Fairbanks area, whether it's residential, commercial, or just undeveloped property. The Hedgecocks have been active in the Fairbanks and North Pole real estate market since the early 80s and have put together a team that really reflects the diverse needs of homebuyers in interior Alaska. With a brokerage team made up of multi-generation Fairbanks locals, transplants, and military veterans, they really understand the unique aspects of living in the interior and what that means when it comes to shopping for a home in general, buying land to build a home, and they also understand the situations that many military members are in when needing to buy or sell a home in Fairbanks. This is really a unique place to live, and whether it's learning why some houses have water-holding tanks instead of wells, how much it'll cost to heat a given house, or just what recreational opportunities are close by, they're here to help you. More than simply acquiring or building a piece of property, they can help you find the right property in the right place and help you learn from their experience. The Hedgecock Group offices are on Noble Street in Fairbanks, and if you want to get in touch with them, visit www.fairbanksakhomes.com. That's how you do it. All right, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel, uh, sitting down with Dr. Frank Schultz. Nick Mookie, and for the first time, uh, Mr. Johnny Klug. How's it going? Very good. How are you guys doing? Not bad. Not too bad. Thanks. I don't know what you envisioned when you... <laughs> we're listening we're, to this and li- never, listening never and, hear doing it? Or or when, which we can get into when... Uh, well, I didn't realize you you had such a big mansion that we'd be sitting in while you're doing <laughs> this. It's really fancy in here. It's pretty nice. Yeah, you haven't looked at the mud and tape job. <laughs> But uh might get a little weird here for a second. <laughs> well, you started out the last one. I listened to it, and I was like, Jesus. You're like, I don't want to be too weird, but uh I need shit stories. <laughs> like, oh, oh, boy, here we go. I don't show up for one podcast. <laughs> Train derails. Yeah, I'm not the most, not the most, the smoothest operator. It doesn't matter. But, uh 
we got a couple shit stories. People were into it, huh? Send them yeah. right in. Yeah, a few. And by all <laughs> means, by all means, keep like sending them in because we could like do a one per episode thing. Like bring everybody down a level to like we're all human. Everybody shits himself <laughs> at one point or another. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I was trying to look, well, think of mine, but it was pretty much just boils down to I couldn't make it to the freaking John on a job once and had to leave a leave a set of underwear in the in the porta potty. <laughs> but I did wet the bed, which is actually a little more embarrassing. I pissed my sleep I well, I pissed my sleeping bag once sheep hunting and Steve Hollenbeck was with me. He just we were back at the airstrip waiting to get picked up and I don't know just laying there sleeping, and then all of a sudden I realized I was pissing, and just like, fuck, and Steve's like, what am I, I just pissed my bag, he just starts <laughs> laughing, <laughs> of course he did, what else are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, then an, then another time, I I think it was, uh, it was 2013, after like, hunted freaking in the snow for two weeks, like, longest, coldest, wettest sheep hunt, yada, da 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 get back, the first night back, and my wife and I just got married that year, too. First night back, pissed all over the bed. Like, I was just sleep. I guess I was sleeping hard. First, first time I'd been warm in two weeks and <laughs> having a dream that, like, usually when you're dreaming and you're just, like, pissing and pissing and pissing in your dream, then something flips. A breaker flips over and you're like, oh, shit, got to wake up. But, <clears throat> yes. And then you're like, I should have just kept sleeping because it's too late. So the ones that have been sent in, uh, did you read them? Are they good? They're pretty good. Pretty good. I'll read one. Why don't you read one? How All many right. would you say you've got so far? Only like four or five. But I'm pretty still, impressed. Like, yeah. Well, you, I mean, you read on, a couple and people are going to be like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Come on. Mine. <laughs> All right. <Yeah. laughs> the, the point is, like, the embarrassing part is over once, once it's like you're out of the situation. Mm-hmm. So this one's from a guy named Joshua. And, uh, it says, so all right, says, so I'll start. Joshua. <laughs> I'll start reading. So, sure, that's his name. <laughs> I've got a shit your pants story. It's a bit long and definitely not hunting related. That's okay. It was quite a series of unfortunate events, warning graphic descriptions on bowel movements. My wife and I were in Texas, and she wanted to go to one of them big out-of-state shopping malls. And not my kind of deal, but okay, we went. This mall had the all highfalutin brands like Gucci, Louis Vuitton. Had to Google how to spell that. I'm with you there. And other things like that. So basically lots of super expensive stuff that we had no interest in. This place was huge and easy to get turned around and lost in. Freaking, I'm right there with you. Um, after walking around for a while, we found an Oakley store and she wanted to get a new pair of glasses. It's vacation, so why not splurge a bit? This is when it all started. While she is picking out her glasses, I start to feel a bit of gurgle in my gut. So I tell her to hurry up. I need to find a bathroom. A couple more minutes of per, of uh, perusing, and she's ready to check out. By then, But then things start to get a little more urgent. And, of course, her card isn't reading, so she has to enter it manually and took seemingly forever. This is when I start getting impatient, and I tell her we need to go. As soon as the guy hands us our receipt, I start doing the speed walk out of there. She asks what the what the big deal is, and I have to tell her this is almost an emergency situation. <laughs> <laughs> the place is huge, but there is a bathroom relatively close. As I speed walk to it, there's a janitor in there that tells me to get out, and there's one upstairs directly above. <laughs> so we dash up there 
dash, dash up their ex escalator that was thankfully close. But the bathroom upstairs only had two stalls. These were ragtag bathrooms, and the stalls were falling apart, both of them full, and I could see through the cracks. Both guys were just sitting in their pants up and on computers. <laughs> Assholes. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> get a bench. And they won't even acknowledge me asking them to get out. So I dash out and get... I'd be looking for a trash can at that point, but... Uh, so I dash out again. As I'm trying to explain to my wife why we have to go look for another bathroom, I'm interrupted by a short squirt of escaping liquid. <laughs> so I tell her we need to find a bathroom now. I just shat myself. This mall, for how huge it was, had barely any bathrooms. I was duck waddle speed walking <laughs> as fast as I could. Probably took 10 minutes to find the next bathroom. Both were more of a single stall handicap type bathroom and were both full, but I... I'll see. Lost my spot. Wolfful, but I wasn't about to trek into the unknown again in search of another one. As I'm waiting, trying with everything I have not to shit myself again, I hear the toilet flush, so I'm relieved it's my turn. Nope, I keep hearing it flush five or six more times. Felt like an eternity. Finally, the door opens, and out comes a lady with five kids. Anyway, it's finally my chance, and I unleash holy hell on the porcelain <laughs> throne. The undies are toast. Thought about rinsing them, but nope, straight into the trash. So now I'm wandering around the store commando looking for a place that doesn't only sell $200 silk undies. Best we found was an American Eagle. Bought three pairs just in case. <laughs> walking around. Something to wipe with. Yeah. Walking around, I feel fine, completely normal, not sick or anything. Then all of a sudden it hits me again. Stomach gurgle and an immediate sense of urgency. The clean chef's speed walk for another bathroom begins. We were long ways from where we found the others by now. I don't make it and shit myself again. Find another bathroom. <laughs> finally, finally, and another pair in the trash. Now I know I've got a problem. Something isn't right. So we decide it's time to leave, but we want to stop at a Walmart nearby to get me some medicine for my condition. Let me just add, my wife is finding all of this quite hilarious, which isn't help, helpful to me at all. We walk outside and start to look it up an Uber driver and find out this time... No gut girl, no out, no warning or anything, just an immediate release of liquid fecal matter. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> so I have to tell her, don't call the Uber, I just ship myself again. Three times. And now I'm down to just one last pair of undies I'll be wearing. This is unlike anything I've ever ha had before. No amount of clenching could hold back this liquid rage. <laughs> the only description I can give is it's 100% liquids. I know it's disgusting, so we get in an Uber, and I'm pray, praying that I don't have the issue in the Uber on our way to Walmart. We make it without any incidents. While my wife was looking for medication for me, I went to grab a few more pairs of backup underwear <laughs> just in case. I should have grabbed adult diapers. Yeah, I, yeah I, right? I almost had another explosion, but was able to scurry to the bathroom before the fury unleashed. Got out of there with the meds and a few more spare drawers. Barely made it back to the hotel before needing to get to our room as fast as we could. Managed to make it safe and sound through the, though, and the meds stopped me up for the next day or two. It was quite the outing and left a trail of thrashed undershorts through the mall. <laughs> Still don't know what happened to me, but I guess it created a memorable day. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, poor fucker. Oh man, that's gonna might, be not tough to beat. Jo oh. Joshua. Joshua, 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 Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I feel for you, buddy. You should send him oh, a man. like a can koozie or two or something. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. I'll have to. Yeah, shoot me a message, Josh. We'll we'll take care of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do have to. Uh, I probably. Uh, I'm going to read one more. That's a local one. 
guy, not local guy, but flew in, drew the Delta tag. And uh, his name, he says, this is Shane Thompson. Thanks for sending in your story, Shane. <laughs> oh. <laughs> says, I don't care about my anonymity. He says, as far as my pants shitting story, I don't care about anonymity. I guess I have to be honest. I wasn't hunting yet, but I was in a situation where I didn't have an extra pair of underwear due to my hunt. I made it a point a long time ago to stop bringing extra clothes except for a change of socks because every time I changed an article of clothing, I end up carrying around the wet clothes for the remainder of the hunt and then end up with wet clothes in my pack and wet clothes on my body. Frank's nodding his head. Yep. So the term, wear your clothes dry, became something I live by. My plan was just to have my hunting clothes, then an extra pair of clothes to fly home in, but I forgot underwear to go with the extras for flying home. Anyway... I landed in Fairbanks and rented a U-Haul to get us out to the hunt area. It would be about six hours before my buddy would land in Fairbanks, so my job was to get stove fuel and, and lighters before picking him up. I hadn't eaten in a while, so I grabbed a spicy chicken sandwich from KFC and <laughs> laughed about how long it had been since I'd had KFC. Big mistake. <laughs> I went to Frontier Outfitters, heard about them on the podcast, to look around and pick up fuel. I think I was looking at boots when I trusted a fart in the best way... <laughs> <laughs> the best way I can describe what happened is that it would be like dumping a bottle of Frank's Red Hot down my ass crack. <laughs> I shuffled my feet to the counter to ask if they had a bathroom. When the gal behind the counter told me that they did not, it was obvious she could see the look of despair wash over my face. <laughs> I turned and shamefully waddled like a penguin out the door. I got in the truck and managed to sort of hover my ass above the seat until I found Walmart where I cleaned myself up in the bathroom as best I could. When his buddy landed, I told him the story, and eventually he quit laughing at me. But every now and then during the hunt, he would look over me in the tent and say, Dude, I can't believe you shit your pants. <laughs> as if he was disgusted by my presence. Also during the hunt, I would occasionally start cracking up uncontrollably when I thought of Frank's. I bring two, pa or I bring two pairs of underwear, or three pairs of underwear, one to wear the whole time, and two more in case I shit my pants. <laughs> comment on the podcast anyway i love the stuff you guys put out super valuable and entertaining at the same time keep them coming nice. thanks for the story shane let That's thanks awesome. for letting us laugh at your misfortune that is awesome yeah it's a yeah. lot better if people are laughing that's oh. how i always feel if i hurt myself or something too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it is true i bring two pairs of underwear yes, wear one does. the entire time and have one just in case i shit myself not a bad plan because you never yeah. know hey, you never know Oh yeah, yeah, definitely worth yeah. bringing. Kind of hard mm -hmm. to shit yourself though when you're hunting, unless like you're on a stalk and you're trying to, you know. But it would be you pretty can always, hard. You, you can pretty much stop anywhere. anywhere. <laughs> shit, yeah, yeah. That yeah, depends. One of the ones we got sitting in the hoppers, a pretty good one. Well, while hunting, yeah. But uh, there's been times before, where, like we're you know on Kodiak in a tent, and it's just hauling wind and raining and nasty, you, you know, just and don't just like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you gotta go, you gotta go, and yeah. it ain't fun, but better than the alternative, I guess. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've had a creep creep up on me moose something in the morning. Of course, you're having nice coffee and stuff like that, and all of a sudden you're just like, oh shit, go run and dig a hole. Oh damn it! <laughs> That's what I did this year. First thing, as soon as we got there, dug a hole, <laughs> <laughs> big hole. Well, I was I like. I'm gonna be here for ten days. I think I had to the morning because normally, like you get you get your body in a certain routine, and normally it's like, all right, after you get back to camp and have maybe before or after second breakfast. Um, <laughs> you guys brought enough food for second breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> 
I really hate you now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, that was, I think it was Se- the, the second mo- breakfast was the bacon Se- and eggs and sausage yeah. and eggs. First breakfast was like pop tarts on the wood pop stove, you know, and coffee. Coaster strudels, <laughs> things like that. Simple shit. I've decided I'm bringing Eggos next year. <laughs> you might as well. That actually would work really well. Oh, yeah. Oh, they'd, bring, be, they'd be real good. You could bring a generator out there. Well, we don't want to go crazy. Freezer. <laughs> I have a freezer. freezer. <laughs> well, Honda generator, be quiet. You can have a toaster. I have a nice old 2000 watt. Yeah. 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 Toaster. <laughs> oh, shit, Nick. <laughs> what we use the wood stove is a toaster. Yeah. It actually yeah, works really good. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, uh, no, the one day, the day, I think it was the, the day I shot my moose that morning, I some crept up, crept up on me pretty good, and I had to go. <laughs> Time to run. Go run, dig a hole while we were while Frank was raking, covering the noise. Oh yeah, because we were like making sure no bathroom breaks where we were hunting. Yeah, not happening. If you got a pest piss in the pond, but, for smell or something. Yeah, so I figured I was just like, ah, we don't be shitting all around here. But then the moose that we shot comes from straight downwind. Yeah, like doesn't give <laughs> a shit yeah. about anything, you know. So, I don't know. But there could be 10 more that would never do that, you know? So totally. I try not to, you know, when I'm hunting in the same place time after time after time after time, I'm like, typically I try not to take a piss there or take a shit there or whatever. If you can avoid it, don't do it, you know? Totally. But I don't know. The first time I ever went and sat in a bear stand with you, you're like, oh, it's fine. Big dips spitting out of the freaking stand. You're like, if you have to piss, just stand up and piss right out of the tree stand. I was like, they don't care. First thing, bear comes in. He's you look at me and you're like, because we're, we're sitting like ten, yeah. twelve feet apart, or something like that. You're like, it's too small. I'm not gonna shoot that bear. Walks right over and is like, starts licking the piss and chew spit right yeah, underneath literally. my tree stand. I was like, you gotta be shitting me. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's crazy. <clears throat> I've heard. Uh, you're pi- like pissing around your deer stand and stuff, or like white-tailed deer in the Midwest can actually be like well, I've beneficial. Guys, I've heard of guys like yeah. making mo- like well, fake I know. scrapes. Somebody showed me that f- some years back, and I was gone for the winter. And somebody was like, "You want to?" We were talking about it one night, and I was like, "That's bullshit. There's no fucking way." And he's like, "Let's check it out. You got a game camera?" And I was like, "Yeah, I can get one from somebody." And he's like, "Cool, let's do it." So we go out. He just takes a stick. He makes a scrape. Mm-hmm. Takes a piss in it, yeah. put a camera on it, next day, there's like already like four different pictures of deer on it. The next day. They certainly work. They come right up and <clears throat> check it out. Yep. No Bucks, shit. does, every doesn't even matter. <laughs> just deer in general just come right to it. Impr- I was impressed. Wish I would have known that when I was a kid. Right? <laughs> yeah. So. You'd think that. It would be a total deterrent to whitetails coming but, in, you know, and stuff like I don't that. Know, but it's thought. just, it's, it's I, like how much is curious, piss, piss. You know? I've got a good friend in Kansas that chews while he's hunting, and <clears throat> people are giving him shit. And he's like, "Watch this!" So he spit, you know, his Copenhagen on a stick, stuck it in the ground, put a game camera on it. He was getting the same m- amount of activity coming to that stick that you mm-hmm. would on a, you know, a scrape or you know, pile of corn or whatever it was. I'm just curious, you know. Yeah. I might have said this on this podcast before, but some, when I was a kid, some of my buddies, they were my age, dads, were like heavy smokers. 
And one of my buddies in particular, his dad smoked Winston's like fucking three packs a day, just like sucking them down. <laughs> fucking guy just greased huge bucks every year. And he's just like, I was like, just smoking cigarettes while you're shooting deer. When I got a little bit older, I was like, he's like, I've never killed a deer in my entire life without a cigarette hanging out of my mouth. <laughs> and it's like, if that deer is coming, not a tree stand hunter. Just strictly like tracker. walking, okay. not a tracker, just like moving through the woods in like areas that he knows there's deer in. And that smoke is going to go one degree of 360 degrees. If the deer is there, they're not coming. No. Or you're not going to see them. But you got 359 degrees of deer could come from is a pretty good percentage that they're not going to come from right there. And... He's like, yeah, I've never killed a deer without a cigarette hanging out of my mouth. And I'm and I'm not saying that everybody should go out and get a pack of cigarettes <laughs> and start smoking butts, but... My dad smoked in the tree a lot, and I would sit in the same tree he sat in the day after he sat in there, and there'd be butts up in the tree. But yeah. you never hunted a tree stand if it wasn't the good wind. So it's I can exactly see, right. I can see why it, you know, yep. it, is it probably the smartest thing to do? No, but... If you know where the deer are coming from yeah. and the wind's blowing the opposite yep. direction, it's probably no different than your scent. <laughs> Once yeah. again, not promoting. No. Okay. <laughs> no. no. It's probably a good wind indicator too, right? If you're bow hunting or something. You know, if you're okay. hunting uh, like a little bit early season or later season for whitetails, I don't think it would matter one bit because those deer are going to go from bed to feed and pretty patternable. But if you're hunting in first week of November, last week of October, something like that, and you're smoking cigarettes, those deer could come from anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't do it. Hell yeah. no. Yeah. <clears throat> but so, whatever way the wind's blowing, you're you're fucked from your scent no matter what it is. So. Mm -hmm. And I don't care. I'm a big believer that, you know, they make all these sprays and all this shit that you can put on your clothes and everything, and it's like we can get scent lock suits right. and all sort of different stuff. And I seriously think, like, I've... You know, when I go back east and deer hunt, I wear rubber boots and I spray them down. And I've, like, spray them all off and pick it up and smell it. And it smells like rubber. I'm like, if I can smell it, even after spraying it. They're selling it deer, to the consumer, not to the... Deer can not, smell that <laughs> yeah, shit. And it's yeah. like, if they're coming from downwind of you, they're not coming. Other well, than that, you got, like I said before, you got 359 degrees of good area for them to come from. No doubt about it. <clears throat> yeah. I Well, I run in ironically because it's like the most gimmicky thing ever like those ozonics are probably like the only and they're not foolproof but the only thing that really seems like it actually does work i was suspect until that wolf came from straight downwind <laughs> amazing ain't i it? was like sold i'd buy that thing no doubt hands down like that works the yeah. guys i know that use them that hunt whitetails and stuff like that they swear by them too and then you have other people that are just like, I would never use that, blah, blah, blah. But they'll bait them. So what's... Yeah. <laughs> like, well, right. It's, yeah. like, <laughs> it's all arbitrary. Yeah. It's like whatever you, you know. Mm -hmm. Everybody has their opinions, but I've seen them work. You've seen them work. We've all seen I've them seen work. I've seen them work lots yes. of times. Yes. Yes. Well, even it's just like a little device to carry that emits ozone. Use, yeah. I've seen a tree it's, stand. Uh, yeah, it's just a little ozone generator that you, you know, stick in your, on a mountain, a tree, usually above your head. And you angle it down so that ozone, like, just bonds with any, I mean, like, dust particles or scent particles. Any like, is a very unstable, I'm not going to, it's a very Whatever. unstable particle, so it bonds with, like, oh, yeah, anything. Yeah. anything coming off. And then it gets too heavy, and it, like, yeah. sinks to the ground. Yep. 
Um, I mean, this spring I pulled the thing <clears throat> out and screwed it into the tree, and Rob was like, "What the fuck, dude? What are you doing?" <laughs> and I was like, "Don't you worry. You smell like fucking ash gray. <laughs> this is gonna work." Was he gassing them in the stand? No, not in the stand. I wouldn't let him. No, no smoking. <laughs> but up until the point of us like going up in the tree stand, he's chain smoking cigarettes. <laughs> so the whole boat ride, like any chance that he can get, you know, he's like. Hopefully we shoot him early because I need a cigarette. <laughs> I'm glad it's uh, ice fishing season because I can't wait to hang out with Rob. Yeah, I was, <laughs> was going to say I was like, I was like, how glad are you? How happy are you that it's finally fishing season? <laughs> it's only fishing season because there's nothing to hunt right now for me up yeah. here. So, but uh, yeah. Well, and Johnny, so you I'm getting ahead of myself, so. You listen to the podcast. Yeah. That's a funny story, isn't it? I, no. Well, I worked you, you guys with Johnny worked together. a long time ago. Ten uh, years just ago. on a job. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like probably 10 years ago. Exactly. It was right yeah. when you moved up here, right? Yeah. Yeah. First winter. Um, working on a job. You were a carpenter, and I was doing the tile work yeah. on a place. And, yeah, just randomly ran into each other a couple <laughs> of years ago, and you're like, oh, man. I didn't know you were so into hunting. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I listened totally. to Tundra talk, and I was like, "Oh no, shit!" <laughs> well, the first one I listened to, I, I was how like, did Man, you that get voice turned sound, on to it? I don't even. It like randomly showed up on shit. I think it was on uh, like an Instagram thing or something. I was looking at stuff, and I saw a picture of a sheep, and I clicked on it, and then some something about Tundra talk and Fairbanks. It was probably one of Tyler's posts. Huh. I was like. Oh, that's crazy. There's a hunting podcast based out of Fairbanks and clicked on it and listened. I was like, oh, man, that voice sounds so familiar. Who's this Frank dude? <laughs> and then, like, put two and two together. I was like, oh, no way. That's that guy I worked with. Yeah. I think because you're, you're from Maine, right? I'm from Vermont. Or Vermont, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, whatever. It's close <laughs> enough. Yeah. And I, yeah, I knew you were from the Northeast and it was just like, oh, yeah, no kidding. That's hilarious. Yeah. And it, yeah, been useful information for me. I, I hadn't hunted. I grew up hunting white-tailed deer in the uh, Midwest there in Michigan, but uh, lived a number of years in Seattle, didn't hunt or fish for probably a decade, I want to say. and uh, That's hard on a guy. It shows. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I, maybe I went fishing a couple times back home or something, but uh, just, you know, living in a city, you just don't meet anybody else that does any of that kind of stuff, and it just growing up, it was like I'd go to my grandpa's buddies' farms and or a little bit of uh, uh, public property or uh, public land. But uh, in Seattle, I just you know I didn't even know how to get started. Never even thought about like never met anybody else to hunt and had no idea where to hunt in Washington. So I met my wife who's from here. It was just uh, that's partially why I moved here. It was just like oh, well, I'm pretty sure I can figure out how to do it up there. There's plenty of space and. You know, she grew up here, so knew some people. Mm-hmm. Not not many of them hunted, unfortunately, but it took me a while to get back into it. And then um, after having my little boy, I was just was like, oh, man, if I'm going to teach him anything, I better start learning some stuff on my own. So I just kind of, like, forced it. My, my buddy had a boat that was just – his dad had crashed it, and it was parked in the woods for, like, 15 years. And we were talking about going moose hunting, where we're going to go, how we're going to do it, and – just he's like, well, there is this old boat. It's like, well, let's do it. Pull it out, and so we cut the front off the boat, <laughs> welded, used a street sign to weld onto the front of it, and now it's a nineteen foot six inch Grumman. Nice. And, uh, 
the motor. Awesome. We've just been slowly <laughs> replacing fuel lines and different things on the motor and tidying it up. And that was probably 2016. Now that boat rips. It's like reliable. And after many, uh, many hijinks and whatnot, and <laughs> a couple of falling out and motor dying on us and all kinds of funny stuff. It's funny. All kinds of good there's stories. There's oh, yeah. no. You know? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Like, you can get all the info you want, but there's truly no easy way. Like, you're going to get freaking, yeah. shit's going to hit the fan yeah, a few so, times if you're out yeah. doing stuff. Oh, yeah. Boats, especially in the tiny little rivers. And mm-hmm. Not only that, you can listen to and read as much as you want and think you got a pretty good handle on what you're supposed to do until you like go just start going doing it and you're going to learn way more oh, and yeah. and everything that you preconceived before that fuck throw it out the window <laughs> like, right? you totally. might learn some good tips and stuff by reading and listening to things and 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 whatnot but experience is going to trump all that yeah. yeah i feel like those all those tips mean a lot more after you've put yourself into those like, situations oh yeah i know why they said <laughs> that or yeah. i understand now mm-hmm. yeah Oh, yeah. that's why we wear life vests, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, I don't get in a boat without putting a life jacket on. Yeah, I don't anymore. No way. No, I used to. Now I... I, I talked to you into yeah. it. I was just like, dude, you got to start wearing a life jacket. I think it was when it finally sunk into you, I was like, dude, you got one kid at home and your wife's pregnant. It was when she was pregnant with Sadie, I think. Mm-hmm. When you start, I was just like, not worth it, dude. It's like, there's nothing. You go out of the boat and I'm out of the boat too, even if I have a life jacket on. I'm not going to be able to save you. Yeah, yeah. I was like, when you're we're getting trying to sucked save into a log jam or something, I was like, you got to have a life jacket on. It's a, I mean, it's super easy, and it's the best thing you can do to like at least try to avoid a shitty situation. And you can get good ones. You can have, I mean, you can set it up. Like now I have one for like my a pocket. I can put my in-reach and maps or whatever. And well, my big thing was when I bought mine. Fire starter and pliers and a knife. and I got mine at. I think sportsmen's, but I well, you can shoot comfortably went, with them, and then yeah. that was it for me. I want because they have them upstairs, so I grabbed like two or three of them, and I was like, "These look pretty good." Brought them downstairs and went to the gun counter, and I was like, "I need a rifle." <laughs> so, and so I put I put the life jacket on, and then shoulder the rifle, and make sure that the life jacket that I had on, I could actually shoulder my rifle wearing the life jacket. And I found one that's like super, it's real small. It's like a little triangle on my chest and a little triangle on my back. Yeah. But it's like, think about how much. Easily shoulder a rifle wearing the life jacket, which is hugely important if you're in a boat and you're hunting out of the boat or whatever, you know. And if you're not wearing a life jacket, think about how much like gear and shit that's on your body just to stay warm, you know, while you're on the boat. If you go over, you're fucked. Yeah. You're You're not going down like a rock. Yeah. You're going to have boots on, waders on, whatever it might be, rain jacket, puffy jacket. Life jacket even keeps you warm, too. It's like big foam pads on your, you know. Sometimes you're going to, you know, you hit you hit your head or something like that and then oh, you know when you get take on, you out of the game and then completely. when you get on the mm-hmm. big river i mean you're talking like you're anywhere from a, a quarter Qu- a mile to not. a you know half a mile from shore right exactly you know there ain't no way you're freaking swimming out of that <clears throat> mm-hmm. good point yeah yeah it saved my life i we uh motor died we had a funky kill switch thingy or yeah and uh buddy's getting it restarted and hit this uh what was it just like a stump flipped over in the river mm-hmm. and i thought the boat was going to spin one way and it span, spun the other and just totally felt myself falling out of the just over the edge of the boat there's like oh shit it's slow motion but there's nothing you can do mm-hmm. it's like damn it i'm in the drink 
and just started getting swept under the sweeper. Eventually, I realized I could stand up there, but there was a couple minutes there. Where it was just like, oh, God, I'm going under this thing. Oh, no. <laughs> we went, we went yeah. back home that night. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it could happen any time. Like, well, my dad's buddy that. Yeah, he went out of the boat. This, he went out of the boat. This spring, yeah, when we were bear hunting. Fortunately, it was uneventful, you know, but right. yeah. Not too cold, hopefully. It's super cold when all your buddies can laugh at you yeah. afterwards. <laughs> oh, thank yeah. God, right? right. Yeah. You know, that's like the best part is when your friends are laughing at you. That mm-hmm. means that you're in the boat and you're alive. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <clears throat> that water is friggin' cold. Even in the middle of summer, mm-hmm. you know, the water is cold. Yeah. Yeah, big time. No, that's cool. Yeah, it seemed like after showing us your van, what a, went out to take a piss or learn. Like, man, if you're gonna if you're gonna drive a van, drive a van. <laughs> like the thing is badass. So, like, I definitely after well, and after going through all the all the the mod modifications and that swapping axles and leaf springs and built like, yeah, I definitely yeah. imagine it was probably a treat to work on a boat <laughs> on oh, an yeah. old boat. Seeing as how mechanically inclined you seem to be. You'd think I was more. I, I just kind of <laughs> half-assed my way through it. I, I've got a, yeah, first time I did a bunch of big projects on it, I had a buddy who's a mechanic who didn't help me out a bunch. And then this last time, swapping axles, my buddy's a killer welder. and So he helped me do a bunch of the fab work and stuff. Definitely made me turn all the wrenches and whatnot. And, but, uh yeah, it's a bunch of fun. And, yeah, working on the boat's way easier. <laughs> <laughs> However, I don't really know a whole lot about engines. That's, that van has the same engine in it as when I got it, but oh. everything else is different. So I can do a little bit like, suspension stuff and all the other, like, add-on things is not too bad. But As long as it's older, which it looks oh, like it exactly. is, you can fucking figure yeah. shit out. It's like the new stuff. you got to be a rocket scientist to work on anything or have a $60,000 computer to plug into anything yeah. to actually figure out what's wrong with it even yeah. <coughs> oh and even once you figure it out the parts cost 20 times as much as yeah the stuff on the old because it's like some little chip or something that's broken all the time it seems like totally well even <laughs> just like the fuel injectors and that cost me four to six hundred bucks to replace which i've only done once in 13 years or whatever of owning it uh if you have you know you have a brand new diesel truck you're looking at it can easily be 10 G's to replace your fuel injectors. Yeah. That's like, holy shit. Get yeah. Truck. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And being a one ton, it makes it a lot easier to work on because you can get underneath it and just like every bolt's like three quarters of an inch and you can just see everything and reach everything. Yeah. Even getting under my wife's Subaru or something, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, it's so tight. Like, I don't even, let's just take it to the shop. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun van. Heck yeah! No, did you put any? It looks like you lift it, put a lift on it. Well, it's all and sort of. So the the axles. In it's order definitely to got more clearance than my truck. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> it's up there. In order to fit uh, the solid front axle in there, there's there's a cross member under the engine, so you have to lift it up enough so that your axle has enough room to move mm-hmm. before hitting the cross member. Mm-hmm. So that's actually as low as I can have that oh, thing. I see. Um, it's nice being up there for, you know, visibility and clearance and whatnot, but it definitely has a little bit tippy. more, a little yeah, a little more tippiness. And, and it's not, it's not like I'm ever afraid I'm going to tip over, but it's more when you're coming around a corner on ice or something, the weight up there kind of like transfers Pushes, and yeah. can, can make your rear swing a little easier, mm-hmm. if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Push you a little easier. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and, it, and it's a little less comfortable, uh, you know, you're kind of like 
going around corners you're kind of swaying around in there and it's, it's it rides like a tractor a little bit but i love it i'll probably have it forever if i can <laughs> yeah well they say especially like if you're if you're into diesels like if you've got a good old diesel that's like working well yeah keep it keep it oh yeah, yeah totally i fully agree if you've got like a pre-2000 diesel that's where it's at mm-hmm. like my rabbit yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Did you drive that much this last summer? I didn't at all. Yeah. I just was so busy doing stuff, and I was, like, in the process of, like, moving and building a garage and all this shit that I was like, I can deal with that next Fu- summer. Future I'll Frank's get, problem. Get that up. Future <laughs> Frank problem, exactly. Yeah. So. Is it a pickup version, or? It's not. No, it's an actual rabbit. Oh, nice. Those yeah. are sweet. The pickups are... Um, on like a caddy or caddy something? didn't exactly. even know they made a pickup yeah version. i didn't either <laughs> they did well it's the front of my car cut off right behind <laughs> like the an el camino front yeah. two seats <laughs> yeah. almost like an el camino but they did they called them caddies exactly yeah yeah i knew a guy who hauled he had a fuel tank in the back of it and he hauled like 150 gallons of fuel in it it was like how does that carry that yeah <laughs> he's like oh it's great no, yep. you can drive from one side of the country to the other with a fucking well, fuel tank. Well, that thing's <laughs> like, yeah, right. Well, that thing's like it's like the it's like the old tundra of cars. Yeah, the oh, sled. Yeah. It goes for <laughs> it goes and goes and goes and goes on heating fuel. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> those things were getting like forty plus miles of the gallon way back getting, in the early eighties. I was getting fifty. Yeah, oh, 48, oh, 50, around, driving around town, not even like that's insane. driving on a highway at all. Oh, that's insane. Yeah. I've got a, I've got three old Mercedes. Well, one that I drive and two, I got a, a package deal from this lady who her husband left her and left all these cars in her yard. But I, uh, I drive one of those around and it's not nearly as efficient. Cause but it's diesel though. Yeah. 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 It's just way heavier, but it's only a four speed. So. Mm-hmm. If I'm going on the highway, I'm like high RPMs. Yeah. Like yeah. They're kind of gutless, but they're fun. Yeah. Cruising in a Benzo. <laughs> they're, well, whatever. Just that rabbit is fun. You know, it's like I don't even, I couldn't even tell you how many times people have offered to buy that from me. It's just like obscene the amount of times that people have been like, we can go to the bank right now. No like, I'll go and get money out of the bank right now and buy that from you. It must be all nice and clean. It's like medium. It's it's okay. Not it's not like mint by any means. But people know that they get really good fuel economy. That oh, it's super yeah. cheap. I think it's like a is a less than ten gallon tank. I think it's like nine something or eight something gallons you can put in there. The fuel gauge doesn't work anymore. But naturally, judging by where I get to with a. 500 fuel. miles basically on yeah like eight and a half gallons of fuel <laughs> it's unfucking believable so i mean you're not hauling a bunch of stuff and it's a four-door so you can throw some stuff in the back or whatever and then you know it's got the hatchback but i really haven't done a ton of work to it i bought it for 250 bucks man that's you know nice. <laughs> and i put like a thousand bucks into it over the years you know so it's like a 1200 dollars car that i've put who knows how many miles on and shit for years it just sat because it needed a little bit of work and i was just really busy building my own house and doing stuff but um a couple years ago i got it going again and this is just fun to drive (laughs) so many people have just like walk up to me and they're like man when i was a kid we had one of those and blah 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 even skip i went down there i think with it one time 
he pulls out some photo album and he's like, check this out. <laughs> Anne had the exact same car. Yeah. <laughs> That's Isn't that weird? Like, you don't know what you got until it's gone type of thing. Yeah. Like the older pickup trucks that are easy to work on, that yep. particular car. Yeah. And then, you know, you sell it to buy something new and then, you know, 10, 15 years later, you're like, what the fuck? Why did I do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> totally. I'd like to get a nice, like, like mid-70s F-150. Those yeah, are sweet. Those are nice mm. trucks. But yeah. they're, I mean, even, even 10, 10, 15 years ago, you could get, you could get them pretty cheap. And now what were they? Just, were they Explorers before the, the, or were they Explorers or were they Rangers? The F-1, what, what they turned Ranger. in? It was a Ranger that turned into the F-150? Well, there was, well, they, it was a package. So they had like F-150s, but there was like a Ranger was like a trim and package. Smaller. Like oh, okay. It was no, before it was size. size yeah. oh. It was just okay. be it was like before it was like XLT or XL exactly. or whatever. It was like the Explorer package or the Ranger package or whatever. Because I've seen a couple of older Ford pickup trucks around town. And I think one of them, I thought it said Ranger on the side of it. And but it's full it was size. like full size, oh. older, like mid, yeah. early 70s maybe or totally. mid 70s. Oh, Christ, that old. Is. <clears throat> yeah. There was one that came up earlier this winter that, or this fall that, yeah, I kind of kicking myself. It's like, oh, you should buy that. And it was a, I think it was a '77, and of course they all have body, you know, issues and stuff like that. But '77 with a plow with like eighty thousand miles or sixty thousand miles, something ridiculously unreal, yeah, for like five grand. (laughs) Yeah, but that's worth it, man. Honestly. Yeah, no, I I can't remember if I actually looked at one of those because my dad had a 70, I think it was a 77 when I was a kid. Maybe in a different year, but it was mid-70s and I like looking, but you look in one of these trucks now and it's just completely different. Unreal. You look on Even one the one, we ones, had one, my brother, it's like, it was man, my I dad's and my everything. brother bought it from him, it was a 150, it was an 86. Yeah. And that's just like super easy to work. Same on, thing. I had know? an eighty three with that three hundred. <clears throat> yeah, straight six. And yeah. I yeah. I wish you would have kept up on that truck. I got that truck when I was sixteen and drove like we drove it up here, drove it all over the freaking place, and <laughs> finally just like gave up on it. That's I had for hauling water. My first truck to haul water with was an eighty five F two fifty with a double fuel tanks. That's what mine had, the two fuel Dang, tanks. Fucking yep. pass everything but the gas station. My, oh, yeah. my, shit. <laughs> my first truck. Yes, fuck, you could watch yeah. the fuel gauge go down yeah. driving that. Thing. My like first, first truck yeah. was the mm. same truck as that, two fuel tanks, and when I went to buy it, I bought it in uh, northern Illinois, so I had to drive down with my dad to buy it, and then I drove it back, and I got it back, and I woke up the next morning, and he had driven it that night when I was sleeping and filled up both tanks for me. Woke up in the morning, walked out there, and there's fucking gas laying all over the ground. The back tank had a hole in it. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> like, oh thanks, Dad. You know, really appreciate it. Oh, that truck was a piece of shit after a while, though. I drove it back and forth. How about that? Yeah. How long has it been since the, the dual fuel tanks, man? You thought yeah. you were hot <laughs> yeah, shit. Flipping, oh, yeah. flipping between like, the two. Like, oh, we're out of gas. Oh, we're out of gas. <clears throat> we're getting about to pack some. All right, we'll just flip her. <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh, that's man. actually that's why I got that style of van. Is it's got two tanks, and it, the first thing I did with it was convert it to run on vegetable oil, which I don't have in there right now because it's winter time. And yeah, I gotten it can still it. run on regular diesel. Oh yeah, yeah. 
just fine. And that's like if you have two tanks, you can run it on diesel, get everything warm, then switch to veggie oil, and then switch back over before you shut down so that all your lines are not filled with vegetable oil. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, like going down to Chitna, hauling a trailer full of four-wheelers, loading up on fish, coming back, and you spend like five bucks on fuel is like one of the best feelings of all time. (laughs) (laughs) So like stop at any fast food or like anywhere you can get a freaking oil. Did you like filter it and everything before you obviously before you bring it with me? What do you have to do to it to like prep that stuff? Like, cause you're, you're talking, well now to pre, you have to preheat it, right? Well, I remember, cause I remember hearing about like people doing biodiesel, like a few people, Rob's brother set a truck up with it some years One of my, ago. The when first I first time, moved up here. The first Avocado time I ever oil. heard of it. The, Avocado that? oil, right? 20 bucks for a liter. The first time. She runs good. She runs good. Premium, putting premium in her now. People are like, Fuck, we thought we were going to McDonald's. <laughs> You're just following some dude. <laughs> but uh, like the first time I ever heard of biodiesel was... Uh, I think it was my freshman year of college, some kook-ass professor, you know, but he was talking about that. And even he did back it or in, was just talking about no, the possibility? No, he did it. Oh, he he did, did it. it. He was telling us. Anyway, um, but back then, like a lot of the restaurants, like KFC, that's when you get the good grease for bear bait and like the actual grease that they, you know, fill you up your You could run bucket. it in your truck to get uh-huh. to and the you bear bait stand. Well, you, it's, you, you freaking, you know, had to like shovel it out. It solidified. It wasn't peanut. It wasn't oil. So like, is that, is yeah. that much easier now? Like, it seems like all the restaurants are using actual oil and they'll just put it out back in jugs. Like, what do you have to do to it? Okay. <laughs> I guess. Well, how long you got? Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> So there's there's I bio- got about 18 beers left. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> so so biodiesel is a little different than what I do. The biodiesel you like uh I think you use lye and a couple different things and usually a centrifuge and you make fuel that you can just put straight into any diesel. Sounds okay. complicated. Yeah, it's complicated and you have to spend money to do it on like as you make it you're spending some amount of money. It's probably, you know, a few cents a gallon or whatever, but it's what you end up with is something that's pretty caustic, which it like eats your rubber fuel hoses and your the seals inside your fuel injection pump and different stuff like that. So a lot of people, there's still people that do it, but a lot of people shy away from that because it's just like not optimal. If you have like a whole fleet of diesels and you're trying to like save some money a little bit on all of them, then Maybe it's then. a pretty good way to go. But so what I did is converted my vehicle. Um, so that it heats the fuel before it can get to the fuel injection pump. Okay. And you want it, ideally you want it like 160 plus degrees, which is convenient because your coolants run like 180 to 200. So you use your coolant to heat the fuel on its way to the engine. I have a, um, there's like a coolant heated fuel pickup inside of the tank and the tank is spray foamed. And then it goes to a coolant heated fuel filter housing. Then it goes to a flat plate heat exchanger which is just like a bunch of plates mm-hmm. in between every other plate runs coolant and then the other plates it runs oil. So by the time it gets to my fuel injection pump, it's pretty warm. Um, and then also a little electric inline heater on the way there too. But I also have a the that thing you heard running out there earlier is a Webasto hydronic heater unit. Yeah. And that heats up coolant and circulates it around to keep your engine warm and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff in the winter. Highly recommend those to anybody who's trying to run a diesel up here in the winter, really anywhere. Those are huge for boats. Those Wabasto heaters. Oh like yeah, epic for boats. Totally. And they make <laughs> they also boats? make them air heaters What's too, that? like commercial fishing type. Boats? That's what Makoto's got in his boat. Yeah. that's a Wabasto. That's okay. up in the in the wheelhouse up yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, his might just, be an air heater though. 
It is an air heater, yeah. but but it is still it's a Wabasto totally. heater, and it runs. You're not having to introduce an extra type of fuel. It'll just run right off your you know your exactly. fuel, which is huge. And it's what like a lot of like long haul trucker guys that are sleeping in their trucks. They got two different types of shit. exactly. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> I mean, if you own a diesel truck north of the Mason Dixon line, you should probably have one of those new vehicles. Yeah. It's just going to make it last forever. You're never cold starting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And for up here. You're out doing something remote, and it's super cold out. You either have to have an auto start that starts your vehicle. Like, well, even on, then, a lot of guys have. No, well, I know a lot of guys that have timered starters. Like yeah. even my Ranger out there, I can put on a starter that every time the thermostat inside the truck drops below zero, it starts the truck up and runs for twenty minutes. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, like yeah. It, like and a lot of a di- lot of diesel guys up here that I know of have setups like that that their truck fires up and starts every you know temperature gets to a certain point starts up well that's cool for all you modern guys with your automatic transmissions (laughs) that's a standard yeah you're right oh no shit yeah and it still does that yeah no kidding yeah you didn't put that in you just put it no i modified it a little bit though oh nice (laughs) that's interesting yeah um anyway yeah so that Webasto thing made it so that uh, I can, you know, that's heating all that veggie oil stuff. My engine, I have an extra heater core I put in there so I could heat the back of the van. And uh, that really makes it possible to run that run on veggie oil at, like, really cold temperatures without being parked inside. All it really is is you, it, the veggie oil has to be hot enough yeah. going well, cause in the to way fire. Because the way a diesel <clears throat> works, it just has glow plugs. You're not actually having to spark the Right. As it compresses, like under the compression, just that glow plug sets it off, right? Well, so the glow plug oh, only gets glow you plug started. Starts. Oh, it only starts. It, once it okay. starts, you got. Yeah. So it's just purely the compression that yeah. sets that, mm-hmm. that, like runs that makes it explode and runs the motor. So you just have the, the, veg, the vegetable oil, you just got to have it way hotter to get it to. It's like with do my that. rabbit when it's cold after like. Two or three times around the glow plug until it's like hot, hot, hot. Totally. And then it'll fire up. Well, my glow plugs <laughs> don't work. I Maybe like one or two of them works. I went to replace them and they spun out. And because that it's a big, you know, the same engines they put in the trucks, but it's in the van. Mm-hmm. There's no room to mess around in there. So, like, if I want to fix that, I have to basically pull my engine out, Rip it out. to pull the head. <clears throat> so the Webasto is a lifesaver for me. Just so keep it hot enough to just you don't re- fire right. You yeah. don't rely on the glow plug at all. Then at that point, a little bit. It's still. I mean, I think one or two of them still works out of the eight. And so, so but if those two go down, you're still fine. As long as my Webasto is working, because if your engine's up to like a temperature, you know, yeah, yeah, you're good mm-hmm. to go. And that's in. the other beauty of it is like, even <clears throat> if you can get your engine to start when it's cold out, you're not doing it any favors. Like all the wear and tear and stuff like that that's happening is like those cold starts. So. I use it even in the summertime. Just like, oh, let it get warm. What the hell? If I have the time to. Yeah. It just makes it last a lot longer. Um, as far as the vegetable oil, does it have to be vegetable oil? Or can it be peanut oil? Or can it be like any, any oh, yeah. dryer oil? Yeah. all the. I, I've not experimented with animal fats. Uh, I know somebody who had experimented with some fish oils, apparently, that they somehow got a bunch of. Fuck, that'd be expensive, wouldn't it? I think that they got some kind of <laughs> surplus for cheap somehow. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. And can you... Does uh once it's burnt, is it gone? Yeah. So it, it goes out the exhaust or I oh mean, yeah yeah yeah. Okay. Literally, people like claim Dude, they're driving like behind. They're like, it smells like I'm driving by a fucking KFC or McDonald's or something. Oh, it's so much more pleasant than diesel. <clears throat> yeah, it's diesel still like a little weird, headache, man. It, totally. 
growing up riding a school bus, dude, I get a fucking headache every dude, morning freaking, and every night. <sighs> hated that. I liked. I I kind of liked that diesel exhaust when I was a kid. The school bus, the school bus <laughs> exhaust. <laughs> that explains a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you good know. call, Frank. You know. Now I. Now we know. <laughs> now we know. Finally. Yeah. If an only it was as simple as that. <laughs> it's just one of those. It's just a. It reminds me of just having to sit in the back of the bus. I was the first one picked up and the last one dropped off. Oh, it's oh, brutal. Yeah. yeah. Brutal. Yeah. It was cold probably too then because there's not yeah. all the massive yeah, kids yeah, in there. It's fucking bad. But, oh, boy. but so every time I smell diesel, I smell those fucking stinky, sweaty leather seats in the bus oh, yeah. that all the oh, fucking God. football players and stuff like to and from games, their you know gear and shit. Oh God, fuck, it stunk. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't. How big was the school you went to? Uh, my graduating class was uh, high school. We had uh, maybe like 550 people in the whole high school. So 100. That's the same as me. Yeah, 120 people. Okay. Or so, See, yeah, because I I graduated from North Pole, but my whole life went to school. It was like. K through 12 was like 120. Mm-hmm. A little bit different, but we were, I mean, we were an average size, I'd guess, for most of, like, rural Wisconsin. Every, every town we were had average bug. size diesel fuel suckers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had yeah. 80 school buses, but, you know, we only really had, you know, four or 500 kids in high school at one time. <clears throat> I'd, I'd guess it's about the same. Do you guys have the, like, the Bluebird buses or the, the, the old style, like, well... The Bluebird ones were yellow. Yeah. They were the fancy ones. That Dude, had, like, I went to high school. No, we had Your regular engine. school buses. High no school that ones. I went to, you had to get yourself to school. There's no school buses for high school. Freaking prep, so, prep, prep school. The way our... <laughs> yeah. yeah, all the... Not so much. All of our schools were kind of right next to each other. Um, or middle school. Oh, it, did, it wasn't always that way. The middle school was removed from the high school. Everyone was on the buses. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, no kidding. Yeah, so... They, uh... Yeah, I don't miss those days at all. Me either. Let's skip the. Let's get out yeah. of this shit and let's talk yeah. about hunting. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this. <laughs> Nick went to Kodiak. Bam. I let's did. talk about deer hunting. Yeah, it was fun. Um, <clears throat> I had a little bit of a hiccup before we went. Like pretty much everybody bailed on me, and we had been planning it for a while. So I was like, "Damn it, what am I supposed to do?" And it was the morning we were leaving that both of my buddies basically said hey i can't come here's why blah 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 i'm like all right whatever and so i had a i had a whole boat rented to, to go fucking hunt off for a week you know and i'm like well i'll still go and i'll just whatever i'll just pay for it you know and that that'll be that and then ran into some guys at the airport that had wanted to book the same hunt that i had done just before they could mm-hmm. and um and we talk back and forth. I'm like, hey guys, you know, if you want to go, you can, or you know, I'm or I'm or I'm going to go, and I'll fight. You know, if you guys take my spot, I'll figure something else out. And uh, I do have to interject. It'd go be ahead. Pretty pimp to be like by yourself with Makoto as your <laughs> captain in <and> the <laughs> entire <laughs> boat yeah. by yourself. It was a little I, expensive, but pretty yeah. damn. You're like today, I want a water ski. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> scuba diving lessons yeah <laughs> um, yeah it would have been it would have been good for sure but so i ran into those guys and they they uh they had planned a tent camp and go to a different area or whatever and so we talked back and forth and by the time we got to kodiak and landed there they kind of decided they were going to do the boat so that kind of that alleviated a little bit of like so they like, chartered like they, they took, took over it. what you were going to do yeah. oh that's cool so right it on. all yeah so it all worked out and thank god they did that um that helped Helped out a lot, and they had a great hunt. So, uh, you know, he 
killed a goat and a and a deer and his buddy killed the deer as well and it's like it all worked out you know awesome. and it was way better than tent camping and they got the move and uh his friend had never been to kodiak before and i think he got to see way more than he would have you know just flying anything oh, yeah. with a bow is like <laughs> it's epic pretty fantastic yeah. and so yep they had a good time and i found a backup plan not really found a backup plan i was uh, it was the initial plan i was going to do was fly to the same spot that i had been hunting the last couple of years and um friend of mine was um also going to the same area but he was going to stay in there's like one cabin there and he was going to stay in that cabin and i was like doing the math on how many people were going to be in that bay just from my group and what he had originally planned and i was like man there's gonna be a lot of freaking people here which is why i bailed on that and went to the boat but then when that fell through I called him and he's like, man, fuck your friends. He's like, you need to come with me. He's like, my friend bailed too. (laughs) (laughs) Like, all right, that's fine. So uh, I ended up having a lot more downtime before and after the hunt because just the way his dates worked out and stuff. But but it was fantastic to hunt with him and everything. And I got to hang out in Kodiak with Luke and Taj and Kate and everybody and and got just kind of just relax and run errands for them and get all of our stuff together for our you know our hunt and um. So it worked out really well, and we got to fly down and hunted out of a cabin for, we had five days to hunt, basically, and the last, the fifth day we had to leave, and uh, the, I guess the fourth day the weather was complete shit, so I really only had about three, three and a half days to hunt. Um, overall, uh, you can't hold your breath in the fall. You got to, like, if you're going down there for a week and you get, like, four days to hunt you're like oh i did good we did make the most of it at the the first when we got there the first day we had a half day to hunt and i think we we hiked eight miles like just in a half day like landing at noon did eight miles back to you know we saw a couple bucks nothing fantastic whatever you say we made the most of it we did (laughs) so we we killed it or we hiked (laughs) oh yeah we hiked hiked a lot just to kind of see what was going on and i'm just giving you shit and uh then the next day we did i think 11 miles um, the day after that, I think we did like nine or 10 and then the, the third, I guess. So the third full day we did, you know, between seven and nine as well. I mean, we hiked our asses off and yeah. it was a lot of fun. We just weren't seeing the deer that two years previous, both years, like. Tall takes would, is one shitty. Yeah. Long winter. But we had this spot where we'd go out and we'd sit on this little knoll. And what, what's cool is you know, the guy that owned the cabin was there, and I learned a lot from him about the spot that I had been hunting you know, from a tent you know, two miles away mm-hmm. the last two years. And um, you know, and great guy, good cook. He knows how to frickin' his, his cabin. He's got her dialed, like everything, like knew how to do it all. And it was very fucking nice and very enjoyable. Right on. He had it down to a science. And just a, just a fun time to be around these guys, but... I learned a lot from them about, you know, this is where we go, and we sit on this knob, and you can see everything. And so we started doing that, and, man, when you got up there, man, you could just start glass and pull out the spying scope, you know, look at a buck, be like, nope, and then keep looking, be like, all right, that one I want to go after. Instead of, you know, I don't usually bring a spotting scope when I'm hunting blacktails. I just, right. I, I'm, I'm usually just, honestly, just walking, and I'm not sitting in one spot ever. I'm, I'm just covering ground and looking for bucks chasing does and trying to get in. A little bit you know, different of a Yeah, it was hunt, much different. Huh? And there, but uh, the, the, the cabin owner is a rifle hunter. Uh, my buddy Earl that came with me is a bow hunter. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really have, uh, we we were hunting, you know, in a rifle spot, you know, from the glassing mm-hmm. standpoint. That's a that's a way better way to do it. If but you can still rifle put a stock hunt. on a yeah. deer with a bow from right. there. So... <clears throat> the buck that I finally killed 
um, we were up there and uh, I, I spotted a really nice buck, you know, maybe like a 95-inch buck, something like that, and uh, showed Earl in the spying scope, and I'm like, you need to go after that deer, you know. And so he went off and did it, and about 15 minutes later, I spotted the buck that I ended up shooting. It was a stag buck, and he just looked so cool when you zoom in and at, you know, 60 power on a Swarovski. I mean, it just, it was a cool buck. And I'm like, well, fuck, you're just going to sit there and eat. I know you're not, any deer that walks by, you're not chasing them. You're not, Mm -hmm. you're going to be there. Yeah. So I ran down off the knoll and I made quick time getting up there and popped up. And, you know, he's just bedded there 30 yards, 35 yards. And he stood up, but the wind was howling, like moving quick. And so blowing from left to right. So I aimed, you know, I, when I when he finally stood up, he wasn't in a hurry to leave anywhere, so I drew back and I was like, I just you know settle my pin and just aim a little bit a little bit back, thinking that the wind's just going to push it mm-hmm. sideways or to the right. But he was at a little bit higher elevation than me, and I didn't take that into consideration. So when I shot him, hit him front and low, because the wind just knocked that arrow down and hit him basically in the shoulder, low shoulder. I'm like damn it! So I waited a couple minutes. Walked up through the alders, whatever, here the the shit that was in between us, and um, started finding blood. There was snow, so it was perfect. It was, like, easy to follow right, the right blood on. and stuff. So I followed the blood for 50, 60 yards, and I found embedded in this, like, you know, kind of like an open plateau-type deal on the edge of this brush. And um, got a tree in between me and him and started sneaking in close. But it was that thick, like, pencil-thick Oh, yeah. Shit! Oh, I don't know what freaking dead salmon, like you can't, salmon so loud. brush or whatever. You just yeah. can't. Uh, you can't move through it quietly. Mm-hmm. Well, it's and like wicker. Like yes, mm-hmm. it's noisy shit, and I, there was no way to get around and do it's anything about with this deep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right up, but basically right up to your head or a little higher. Yeah, <clears> for me. <laughs> But there was no way to get around it and do it quieter, so I just started piecing my way through it real slow, and the fucker got up and ran away. I'm like, damn it. Like so, I followed him for a bit. Followed his blood and everything, and kind of just you know you lose sight of him. But I'm like, well, you went in this direction. I will. I'll find you somewhere. So, you know, 30 minutes go by, and I sneak up and I find him again. I'm like, all right, now you're in a spot where I can get to you. And got got around and got close, and uh, the wind switched or whatever happened, and he got up and started running away. And and it got like uh, it, it was like steep going downhill into this like little creek or whatever. And I'm like, motherfucker, I'm not gonna like, I I know what's gonna happen. I'm gonna chase you all fucking day, but I don't know where you went this time. So I went over there. I couldn't. I was glassing all over. Couldn't see him. Found another buck, and I'm like, man, you know, I just, I don't think this deer's gonna die. So I maybe I'll go after this other buck, and I decided to just take a break, sit down, eat my sandwich. So I did that, drank a bunch of water, this or that, making all sorts of noise, like, you know, ripping through my plastic bag that my sandwich is in and, you know, Snickers mm-hmm. bar and whatever. Doing that you loud would, chewing. You yeah. Would, you, you wouldn't typically do while you're hunting, while <laughs> no. in hunting mode. Right. But, I'm you know, I'm, I'm out in the open. I'm looking at glass and whatever. And, you know, I, th- I thought I was where the deer went and take my backpack and off and putting it back on and whatever. And so I throw it on and I had an arrow knock this whole time. And then uh, when I put my pack back on, I put my arrow back in my quiver. I took three fucking steps, and this buck got up, bedded. He was twenty yards away, thirty the yards away, oh, the, oh, entire, the entire time. Shit. He was just just over this little like knob on the on the steep downhill, and I stood up and I walked. I was like, I'm going to walk down this direction, you know, because this other buck that I thought about stalking's over here. Uh, or you know off to the north and i was like i'm just gonna walk down here and see what happens if i can find blood or whatever grade 
Dude, I take three steps and he fucking just gets up and bolts. I'm like, I could have shot you if I would have if I'd have known you were there. I I knew he went that way, but I didn't. I didn't. You once didn't I got there, I didn't know. Go. Yeah. yeah. So he he takes off and runs down the hill. He got through um, like a little like bump in the the ridge or whatever where I could move, and he he couldn't see me. So I sprinted down to the bottom and I put my binos on him and I saw him kind of run across the valley and then get up on the other side and he just kind of stopped on the other side hill. I'm like, okay, cool. So went down across, whatever. Meanwhile, the guys in the knob are watching the whole fucking thing, and they never saw me shoot initially because I got there so fast that they were still watching Earl stalk his buck. Uh, but then they saw the the buck I shot running down, kind of limping. You know, he was not mortally wounded by any means, uh, but he was not doing well. You know, like yeah. just losing blood, but not 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 a not a shot to the lungs, unfortunately. So he went down, did whatever, and wherever you know, he went up on the other side, and he just stood there the whole time. And there was just no way to get close to him, um, like out the, you know, without without taking a long way around. So. About an hour later, finally got close again and killed him. But uh, it was just like, I don't know what I could have done different mm-hmm. in, in the fact that, like, when I was eating my sandwich and making all that noise, and well, he's, yeah. he was right there. And to start you know? with, it's howling wind, and you're trying to, like, compensate right. for where you want to, your shot placement. And, and, and he was bedded in the wide open. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at, like, a side hill on Kodiak, you see that, like, red brush that's real yeah. low. It's like mm-hmm. the, the when it rains and snows or whatever, it just folds right over, yeah. easy walk and all that stuff. That was the kind of side hill I was on, and he was yeah. just, you know, right there. Damn it. <laughs> it would have just been much easier. Hmm. But with that, is that, did you notice that, was that buck like a little bit bigger body size than some, because that's what I've heard about those like crypto, crypto, crypto orchid bucks. Yeah. 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 So that's the third one I've killed in that spot. And all of them have been huge body, like fucking size of a horse. <laughs> and he had several inches They're of They're like 200, him. over 200 pound deer. The one last year was all of that. Yeah. And I would say this one was a little Which bit smaller. Which is gigantic for a freaking yeah. sick of black tail. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, that's the other thing too, is like I, over the years, everybody's always like, oh, the sick of black tail deer are tiny. Not, and I'm like, man. they're not fucking tiny. That's like a well, total they're, bullshit deal. They're perfectly, they're not a 300 pound white tailed deer. No. Or a, you know, whatever, a mule deer by any means. They're no. black tail. They're shorter but legs, for, but uh, they're stocky. Exactly. Big. They are stocky. And those cryptorchid bucks are even bigger yeah. than some of the big bucks. Yeah. But still, a 200-pound sick of I've seen black plenty of sick of black tail deer that on the hoof are like 185, 195-200-pound huh. deer. Hmm. I mean, fatties. Yeah. They're I, there. Yeah. There's plenty of them. So, those bigger, older bucks are big. I don't know what it weighed <laughs> or whatever, but I had all four quarters, you know, the skull and... Uh, Neck meat, rib meat, all that shit, um, back straps, the, the whole shit. And I had it, it in my pack alone. <laughs> it it wasn't that bad, and it was a six-mile walk back huh, to camp. And um, it, it, I, I didn't think it was terrible. I only had day gear in my pack. I had like yeah. I had a fucking sandwich, which it's I ate. I had a little she, bit of water. <laughs> you know, no, and I'm like, man. Well, the way I thought it was like, I got a cabin to go back to each night, so I don't really need to bring everything that I need. You know, to, yeah. to survive. Oh, yeah. Like, exactly. I don't have to keep my shit dry. I don't care, you know? Yeah. And the weather was great. So, I, you know, I didn't even take a rain jacket. I just had a puffy jacket, my hat, gloves, like, stuff to take care of me. That was it. So, pretty light, all things considered. And, you know, I put the whole thing in there. It's no problem. And if I really wanted to save weight, I'd have deboned it and it would have been even lighter. But I would say those stag bucks are probably 25% bigger than mm. a normal one. And it yeah. might just be the fact that. All the extra fat on him. I mean, shit, yeah. he had inches of fat on him, and the other buck that that we 
killed when we were there had no fat. So, no, I got a question for you about that. I've heard that the deer down there, the fat on them is like more yellow and buttery and like worth <laughs> worthwhile for eating. I would never keep the fat on a rutting sick of blacktail. So oh, if it's, so if it's rutting, yeah, um, I did keep the fat on this one, and You're when I processed it a little before it, the rut, though, I mean, oh, well, I mean, right. they, uh, they're probably like chasing and doing that kind of shit, we, but it's so not like full. Blown. We, we saw one buck breed a doe, um, and we saw one, one you know, two bucks fighting years prior, same week. We were watching bucks breed does, you know, every day. We're watching fighting every day. That being said, there's probably only 25% of the deer that there was, you know, last year and the year prior. Yeah. Um, I definitely saw a huge difference in the deer numbers there. But thankfully, there was enough to at least hunt. So I know that typically in the past, it was like, seemed Seemed like like more Thanksgiving Thanksgiving was like when the, like, rut was really going. And, but I'm talking about, Full North End, yeah, as well. Yeah. Not, I'm talking about, like, on a fog neck, on a fog yeah. neck, not yeah. even on Kodiak. But I have a buddy on the South End that's like fucking big bucks are losing their antlers already. I saw that. I saw one buck that had a huge one side, so his right side was giant, and his left side was completely gone, not broken. Um, F- shed. I, I don't know if it was shed. I don't know if it never grew. I, I don't know, but it was gone. And I talked to a guy that's like a hundred percent reliable source. The guy like. Is on his game. He's a guide. He knows yeah. what's going on. He spent more time than anybody I know down there. And he's like, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. These bucks are like in the middle of the rut, walking around with huge puffed up necks. Sure. Missing their horns. No antlers. So what what I've learned <clears throat> is that, you know, de- stress basically is why they lose antlers. Which, um, yeah. So if they had a really stressful, you know, winter and spring oh, last year. They did. And then, you know, coming into this year or whatever, then you start rutting or something or start getting that stress from rutting. Yeah. I, I could see how that would happen for sure. Right. I don't know that I saw any deer that had both sides missing because once I saw they didn't have horns, it was just kind of like, okay, is there a buck around? Yeah. And there was, you know, there's not, so we'd move on to the next one. Right. But I could, I, I saw a lot less action as far as rutting goes this year, but the, what I was getting at, your comment about when the rut happens and stuff like that, I'm sure it's localized. Um, the guys I know that have hunted down there 30, 40 years, you know, November 3rd, November 4th, that's when. Yeah. So it, it but that's the south end. Yeah. Um, that's not the north end. And I. I'm a big, like, it's light. Yeah. And that can change too from the north end to the south sure. end, the amount of light you have. Well, and then I mean, the other thing that I. That is worth mentioning is that on the north end, if you're on a fog neck, you can't see a whole lot. So, oh, fuck no. Right. So, okay. So, bear with me. Um, the later in the year, more snow. Mm-hmm. So, those deer are going to be naturally pushed down. Mm-hmm. So, if you're seeing the rutting action later in November, it stand, you know, stands a reason. And there's two things going on. One, yes, they're still running or they're just two, whatever. You're seeing and, it. and you're seeing it because the snow has pushed them down and, yeah. and they're in spots where you could. Yeah. So, it's not to say they're not rutting in early but November there either. We didn't wait, though. No. For snow. No. Because we had people that you were, like, hunt. when I was hunting, we were, like, taking clients. Yeah. And it was, like, if there's no snow and they're not pushed down on the beaches, you, you get dropped off on, with somebody and you go hiking yeah. up and looking for deer. Up yeah. on the ridge tops. You yeah. Know, like, it, all, it seemed like it was always hot that there for a few years. I'd go down every Thanksgiving. Yeah. During that week, it seemed super hot. 
and but it was some some years it'd be snow and you wouldn't have to go anywhere well, and some mm-hmm. years there isn't well and, and then you also got to take into consideration that you know deer will you know certain does will come into heat you know early november late october whatever depending on their age and then mm-hmm. then you're gonna have you know a, a second rut or something like that a little bit later for the mm-hmm. you know the late fawns that were born the year prior yeah, it it's a long couple several week process I would guess. And mm-hmm. if you're, oh, for sure. And the other thing is like fuck right place, right time. Like I yep. was seeing lots of does with no bucks even close well, to it. And them. that's it. And what I was yeah. seeing I was bucks just fucking eaten. Like you don't does see Does can that. be by themselves and not get bred and they come back into heat yes. again. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's like I mean, that's a whole nother <laughs> group of deer that are that need to get bred and i think what happened and just i'm i am specifically talking about where i hunted Mm -hmm. based on the two years prior in the same spot what i what i believe happened was there's more does than there are bucks because the bigger bucks and the you know older older age class bucks probably died um we didn't see anything huge and in years past we have um but i think those deer died from the winter kill so there was less bucks than does so they didn't have to work as hard to to find you know find deer to breed so then you're going to see less chase and you're going to see all that stuff that you normally normally get to witness mm-hmm. we just didn't see it i mean considering when we were down there goat hunting last year the amount of dead deer that we saw and we were like right before uh-huh. when the majority of the deer are going to die yeah. and we were already seeing right. dead deer like on every single beach yep. and so the year prior <clears throat> goat hunting before last year when we all went the year prior we saw zero dead deer right and and so it happens like right after we left <laughs> is when it typically yeah. when they start to like and it's over they can't all, handle it and, and they start dying and the deer that we saw were you know who knows what was there two or three weeks prior dead because, you know, the tide comes in mm-hmm. or animals come and right. they quick quicker. So all you get is a moon tide when they're down yeah. there on that kelp line eating because yeah. that's what they so end we li- up dying on so that kelp line. We likely seen, you know, a week and a half, of, you know, the week and a half prior to us getting there. That was probably what had died that week and a half or something like that. What are they dying from? Starvation. So because they're getting can't get it through the snow to get to feed. Deer will dig for food, but they won't dig for water. Is what I've heard. So the a lot of the winter kill. This is other people have told me this. Uh, a lot of the winter kill on Kodiak become uh, is because of their lack of fresh water access. So when they don't have fresh water, they go down the ocean. Well, they eat kelp. And they eat kelp and all that salt and which all is, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, which salt. Is, oh, yeah. That's what I've always been bad. told is it's like the intake of kelp and there's yeah. no. It's all it is a salt. Yeah. So getting. it gets real cold. Their fresh water <laughs> sources freeze up, and and just the just lack of finding water. So then they all head down to the beach, thinking that they could get moisture from eating stuff, and it ends up just being a bad. It was fucking run. frozen solid. Oh yeah. Well, that freaking like waterfall that we had to go up after shit. Set. Yeah, up <laughs> yeah. after Seth's goat. Like that whole yeah. that entire creek was frozen, frozen solid. solid. Yeah. So the, and and that's free falling water, which frozen. is pretty at yeah. sea level, like vertical ice. <laughs> South fall. facing, yeah. south facing sea level on Kodiak mm-hmm. waterfall frozen. Yeah, it but had to have been pretty damn, damn cold. The goats had real nice <laughs> yeah. hair on them, just super long, not fucked up, not frozen and broken or anything, all just because it had been so. Yeah, it was neat. Yeah, so if that stuff frozen, imagine all the stu- uh, all the water sources on north side. Everything's totally frozen. and higher up. You know. Yeah. The one time I've been to Kodiak, ironically, my friend's dog, well, we went out to do, we were building some hunting cabins out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, my friend's dog went out with him 
on the first boat ride and then the seas were too rough or whatever they couldn't get back out there they brought no supplies with them so like camping on the beach overnight no water they're just drinking beer but the dog had nothing to drink so it went out and started drinking salt water and totally got oh super boy. sick, sick yeah. and all kinds of stuff yeah makes sense yeah. Should have given the dog beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they screwed or, that up. They could have hiked him up past the title. It was like a little title. Uh, what do they call Lagoon. That? Yeah. Yeah. So if they would have went up a little further, it was fresh water flowing into it. But yeah, reminds yeah. me of what somewhere out west was it a couple of years ago? Someone's like got broke down in their car, like blizzarded in in their car, and survived on Coors Light for like two days or something like that. Could oh, be done. Yeah. I can't remember. I remember reading that story, but it was, yeah, fuck who knows how long ago. Yeah, overall, I think that most people that went, I mean, they got a buck, you know, yeah, which is fine. But years past, it was nothing to be like, oh, you know, I want to pass twenty deer today and shoot one, and then tomorrow I want to pass twenty more right. deer and shoot one, and you know, it's kind of like one deer a day type of thing. It's what I'm. It's a, it's a vicious, <laughs> it's a yeah. vicious cycle down yeah. there. You know, and it's like I know some really good hunters that go every year, and this year, you know, all of them took one buck or no bucks. So, yeah. and then I know some other guys that got dropped off, and they they said that man, there was just freaking deer everywhere, you know, and they killed several and all, all archery. I think it was very like localized. it was pretty localized. Yeah. yeah, like some areas didn't get hit near as hard, and some of them really did. Yeah. Yeah. And even the areas that got hit really hard, of course, there's still going to be deer there. Yeah, but it's. It, and if you've never been to Kodiak before, you ain't gonna know any different. Yeah. If you're seeing, yeah. if you're seeing ten bucks, you're like, man, ten bucks, because well, shit, that's more than what you're gonna see if you're hunting right. out west in most places, you know, if just over the counter stuff. Yeah. But ten bucks is that's not a good day. Yeah. Kodiak, yeah. You know. No, I just heard. I had talked to Nakia, and then I'd spoken with you, and then I ran into Bruce. Mm-hmm. the electrician yeah and he was like oh man I yeah i don't know i had some buddies went down he showed me some pictures and i was like holy shit everybody yeah. else has been like whoa it's kind of kind of shaky and they were just in one of those little pockets yep. you know is where they had gone and there was a, a decent <clears throat> amount of deer where we were at like if you had never been there before you'd go in there especially rifle hunting you would have had you'd 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 have shot some nice bucks right on but they're just overall nothing like um like it had been there definitely some deer died yeah but we knew that, and we knew that before we even went. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, we'll just see what happens. Well, yeah. unfortunately with them, it's like not as many year of a curve to, if they get a couple good, yep. you know, three or four good years, then it can be right back to where it yeah. was. Next year will be better than this crazy. year. crazy. Yeah. It doesn't take long. That's yeah. what's amazing is it really doesn't take that long, and they really bounce back. Well, think about mm-hmm. it. The entire island was basically populated by 26 or 30 deer on Near Island there in town. So yeah, fucking real. Uh, yeah, they breed quick and they move. So, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. so that is those are those deer were brought there. Olympic Peninsula in Washington is That's where they where all came from, from. and oh, okay. the elk that are on yeah, the Fognac all came from there as well. Okay, I knew that. Right, close to the same time. So like, in, so southeast Alaska, uh, those deer are natural. Same, Not, oh, they're yeah. natural. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then all the ones on Kodiak came from, it's like 26 or 29 or 30 deer, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. On, on this near, near island, island right yeah. next to the town, basically. And oh. they've made it all the way fucking. So I want to say that it was stick and neck and all that. When well, north and oh, south. south yeah. yeah. When did they put them on? Do you remember the year that they put them? It's oh, we the, just talked about this I last know. week. It's the, yeah. I think the 50s or the, the I want to say 30s? It was 20, 26, 30s? I, that's I what know. I want. I want to say that it was in the. You're right. It was pretty the, early. It's late 20s. I think it it's is. like 29 or something like yeah. that. 
but could find it, it took out and all the way. Question, but, yeah. Roy Roy Randall called in the the called in the deer. It was 1976. He said that he called on the radio phone or whatever they had back then to town and was like, "Well, I just saw a deer on Shuyak, and it was the first deer." Recorded on shoe recorded yet. that they hadn't, and he was like he. I mean, he was hunting all around there yeah. forever, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was the first year that we're making it to shoe yet. Nineteen twenty four. Yes, there you go. So it took from twenty four to seventy six for those deer to make it swimming island, 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 and moving across land to get all the way widespread to the north yeah. end to to shoe yak. Man. That's not that long if you really think about it, though, because, like, over the grand scheme of things and animals evolving and moving to different areas. And hard winters when there are, like, a bunch of die-offs and stuff, like we're talking about. Yeah. That's pretty darn quick. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, what, a couple years ago, last time I was goat hunting down there, um, Eric Howard showed me a video of uh, elk in Carlick Lake. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Like, like on a a fog or a Kodiak. Kodiak. Like yep. Middle Island. Yeah, all the way at the <clears throat> south end. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, critters are pretty resilient, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, the same ama- thing with, What's like- amazing is that those elk, because it's a free-for-all, once they swim over off oh, of yeah. Raspberry to Kodiak, there's no, you know, there's you no stopping. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's amazing that once they get there that they've passed by town and by... You know, how well, many is, is it port is it Port Lions that's over there, kind of right yeah. by the closest point that where they, they usually come pick, across. They usually pick most of them off, I guess that that yeah. get over there. But yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. You guys ever hunted elk there? I've, I've never had. A, I've shot a bunch of elk on a fog knock. Oh really? I had yeah. a, I had a leftover like when they when it switches to registration. Yeah. Um, I had a cow tag one year. I only had one day to hunt them. I I like back there in Back Bay. I was able to cut tracks where they'd been there one of the deer hunters we dropped off there the day before had heard one bugle and and i went back in there the next day and could never catch up to him could never get on him when i was working on a fog neck i always put in for the tag for the early season tag and drew it multiple times no shit yeah yeah i've been thinking about well i put in for it a couple years ago and I've totally spaced putting in for any draw hunts last year, but well, don't fuck it up this year. You got another whatever, however month, long, one month, month from today. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm on it this year. Yeah, I'll probably put in for that one again. But uh, yeah, I'm just such a cheap ass. It's hard to like imagine drawing one of those things. And, like, oh great, now I got to pay for boats and flights and all the extra stuff. I'm always <laughs> like, yes, now I got to go shoot something. Else. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, no, that totally that too. It's just. I don't know. I think growing up, just like why don't you remind me? Uh, I meant to, but I forgot. Yeah. Sorry, Nick was Nick gave me the wrong fucking bear. He's trying to pawn off this fucking <laughs> scraggly ass late June bear on me <laughs> as my own. Shit. <laughs> no, not. well, that honestly, like that bear had been sitting there for weeks, and I so I looked at it. I looked a little closer, and I'm like, ah, that fucker looks thin. And start picking through it. I was like, "This isn't even my bear." When I when I left my house today, I was like, "Do I have everything?" I'm like, "I got to score a bear, so I got that." I got thought to, I about to... it, and then I was, but I. I when meant are we going to gonna send you. all this pile of shit out here? You tell me tomorrow. They're all ready need, to go. We need... Well, all mine are all ours are 
Everything's ready and sealed. Everything's done. Okay, I need to get mine sealed. But and then I'll, I've got. Like, I mean, and I'll, for legal clarification on the podcast, these are bears that are not required to be sealed. We just have to get locking tags for them before sending them out of state. Out of state to get tan. To get tan. Um, I'm ready. I'll give you money or whatever. I mean, I can give you money tonight if yeah, you want can give some me cash. F- I need five thousand dollars. I was thinking I was going to give you twelve thousand, but oh. if you only want five thousand, that's fine. Jesus, man, that's a good deal. <clears throat> yeah, we'll take care of it. I want to do it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they got. I mean, we got to send them. Do it. I'll um. I'll put out the bat signal tonight when I get home for nice. the other folks, so we can just get it all together. Yeah. Well, you guys might just want to wait till the spring when I'm slaying bear, <laughs> bears with my recurve over your bait piles. And stuff. Over your bait, <laughs> over your bait pile. That's the best one I've heard all night. <laughs> so, uh, so let's. So you want to shoot a recurve or a compound? So, well, before we do, we should we should we split this up into like just like cut her off now we're like hour twenty. We cut her off and do like a whole new should. focused. All right, that'd be good. All right, so. We're gonna we're gonna roll into the next one, but um, we'll, so we'll cut this one off here. But uh, if you have any comments or questions, email podcast at tundertalkak.com. And uh, yeah, anything else? Uh, yeah, this is the Tundra Talk World Headquarters. By world the way. He- World <laughs> Headquarters. <Yeah. laughs> we're Studio. doing a lot of Tundra talking. <laughs> pretty yeah. pretty redneck. Um, all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, and if you can, leave a good review on whatever platform you listen on. Thanks.